Last May in Israel, the streets of Arab and shared cities were ablaze. Israel fabric of shared life was under attack, fueled by extremists locally and nationally. Indeed, most Israelis, Arab and Jewish, oppose the raging violence, as the entwined reality of life is stronger than these destructive forces. Nevertheless, the damage was overwhelming. The wave of anger and violence that swept the country indicated the crucial importance of public action and community organizing and its urgency in places where it is absent. It is better to light a candle than to curse the darkness, said Eleanor Roosevelt. Some people who share this vision create a new opportunity for both Jewish and Arab societies to live together to set a new path of common life. The Tzedek centers are working to open many centers across the country, home to any gender, ethnic group, or socioeconomic status. For them, establishing centers in Arab and shared cities is an actual and primary goal. Arab and Jewish activists work together at their center in Haifa, and the new center has just opened at Ramla and is set to be followed by Akko, Jaffa, Lod, and Nazareth. I am glad to host Amit Ben-Ami, Ahlam Kasim Ali, and Lev Littman of Ajal and Tzedek Centers to discuss what happened and how we can create an Arab-Jewish alliance and empower the Arab society in Israel from bottom to top so that the voice calling for peace, equality, and solidarity will be heard. Hi guys, how are you doing? Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy to, to have you here. I always tell my guests, let's start from the beginning. So what was the day-to-day life in the mixed cities in Israel prior to May 2021? Ahlam, you want to start? Okay. So thank you for having us in your podcast. We're so happy to be here. And uh, in general, if I want to talk, for example, maybe Lod, or let's go to Haifa, which is less critical. In Haifa, people was living, everyone is Haifaim, we're living next to each other, the one by the other, we're just living away from all the discussion about our identity and that we are different. We're just focusing about what, what's really common between us. And we are living a good life. If I take Haifa, Akko, Ramle also, Lord, it was also not that bad, but it was not that good because the community, like the Arab community and the Jewish community are too radical and complicated in this area. So we have some problems between them, but not that much, like not as we said in the last period, unfortunately. And we're so sad to say that. I can just add, when we look at structurally what happened with the shared cities, so in the last years, there was a lot of government money moved to Arab communities. We have the 922 decision of the government. Yeah, the government decision. Huge amounts of money that were pretty much unprecedented in the last years beforehand. And this money wasn't actually moved to the shared cities, which is something interesting. The Arab society, with a lot of problems, we can talk about this more, um, maybe we'll get to it here, but it seemed that there was a lot of hope for Arab uh, uh, villages and cities around the country 
to deal with this government money. On the other hand, there are a lot of racism and a lot of tough politics towards Arabs and a lot of politicians saying very racist and violent stuff towards Arabs, but a lot of money going towards the Arab communities, but not to the shared cities. They didn't get any of these budgets. And I think going before the May riots, the problems of the Arab society of unemployment and uh, gun violence and corruption problems in the municipalities were starting to be solved in the Arab villages and cities, but less in the shared cities. And so when we get to this point of the May riots, we have to understand the difference between these two uh, communities. You are definitely correct because the Arab villages and, and cities had actually different problems and challenges that there was no infrastructure programming until the government approved the program 922. There's still And a lot of problems. We have to say the, this. There's still yes, a lot defi- of money definitely. and infrastructure problems that are not being solved yet. De- oh, definitely. And we will get back to it at one point, you know, in a different episode of the podcast. But I will mention that just recently, I think that in last uh, September, They approved a huge infrastructure development program for Forum uh, El-Fahem, which is the largest city in Wadi Ara. But as you said, to the shared cities, like uh, even Jerusalem, by the way, you can see the huge difference between what we call East Jerusalem and West Jerusalem. But it's not limited just to Jerusalem. So what was happening in those cities? I mean, uh, besides sharing the public transportation, Was there any communications and uh, joint struggles or uh, activities? In the, in the shared cities, after like 9-22, people, just Arab people that are in law, they start to see, okay, we didn't get the same what people who lived in Turan got from the financial way. But in general, people who live in shared cities They give you the feeling that they really understand each other, that they live next to each other. We're going to, I don't know, my friend from uh, the Jews one, or we saw that they have really good connection. And that's what really surprised us, like as, as group leaders and as the movement, that was really shock for us because, okay, you are neighbors. So the villages people who live next to each other, they're like more than relatives. Our neighbor, he's taking good care for you. And that's a little bit confused us because also in our common programs with Shomer and the meetings with each other, we have never felt that there was some kind of, of hate or, or anger for the other side, like just going and combining very well each side. And especially the people who lived in shared cities have good language, good Hebrew language, so they can right. communicate better. Who lives in Turan, who can hardly say Shalom, Mashlom That gave us a little bit shock because this is not what we expected. We expected that uh, Muhammad grows up with Moshe and uh, Yaakov. And then when we heard about the rights and we start to see and how they say, yeah, they're coming. Garain Torani is coming and trying to throw stones at us and trying to break out to our homes. That really gives us a red light that we need really to find new solution for this situation. Can you identify who was participating in the riots? For example, 
from the Arab side and from the Jewish side, because we know, for example, that in Accra, it was in Accra, it was a different situation. The violence was mainly in the old city of Accra, and it was mainly towards Jewish, by the way, businesses. On the other hand, in a city like Claude, you mentioned the Garin Torani, and I will try to say it in English. It's some sort of a yeshiva of the settlers of not exactly the modern Orthodox. It's a bit different than modern Orthodox, but it's a yeshiva of settlers that are coming into the Arab neighborhoods and just uh, trying to settle them. So can you identify who were taking part in the riots in all of the places? I would like to talk about the, maybe the Jewish side. And yeah, you will, maybe yeah. afterwards, Mkhlam can say about the Arab side. Yes, and I think yeah. it would be interesting, Mkhlam, if you also told about Tehran, because I think Tehran, what the violence, like the gun violence in Tehran, is sort of uh, an understand what, what happened to Arab society in the, these years before the riots. I think in the Jewish side, we have two different sorts of phenomenons that led to the riots. One was extremists living in the center of the shared cities. Like you call the Garin Torani. I think most of the people in the Garin Torani are uh, just people who come to live in uh, another city. And I think they come for, for good reasons in general. They just come to live in a community and make a better society. But I think there are in these uh, groups, there are people who come to make more friction and to make the conflict between uh, Jews and Arabs uh, or uh, Israelis and Palestinians. To create this conflict in a more local level and make it like fire up in a way. Yeah, to pour gasoline into pour the gasoline, fire. Pour gasoline, exactly. And the problem is, in Lod specifically, we had leaders who were engaging in this fire. And the mayor of Lod, you can see, even before yeah. the riots were happening, he invited the super, super racist and extreme right wing Itamar Ben-Gvir for a tour around the city discussing personal safety. Now, when you do that, when you bring these people to discuss personal safety, when you bring like really racist, extremely racist people to discuss personal safety, you're saying something here. And you can see how this uh, connection between politicians and local right-wing extreme activists to create this friction and violence really had an effect here. The other thing is, Israeli Jews and Arabs, after two years of coronavirus, there's a lot of unemployment. A lot of people are scared for their future and can't really imagine a future here. And we're just stuck at homes and really bored and got a lot of anger sort of stored up in them. And when this sort of uh, ball of fire started rolling, then uh, people really wrote on it and just came out and took all their anger on the other side, on the people they saw as their enemies in, at that right, that very moment. I think that's the two uh, stories that we can tell to sort of enhance each other. So uh, yeah, to you, Akram. I'm agreeing with you on the kinds of people because in the Arab society, most of the people who went out to the demonstrations and the riots, at the beginning, it starts as a peaceful demonstration. People go out to the streets, they just having the signs and say, we want equal life. We can see the effect of the coronavirus and the people that makes people are stressed the whole time. 
they're unemployed, and they just go to the streets. This is the way that we can go. We can stand up, maybe with no masks, because no police will tell us to go with masks on the riot. And then it starts as a peaceful demonstration. Everyone go and put Facebook uh, photos, Instagram, Snapchat. And after that, it turns to be not peaceful one because they start the few guys or I don't know which kind of guys, but I think guys, they are not educated and they are not, they're not really coming with values because someone who wants to change won't go and burn the wheels of his, in the front of his village or yeah. the trash cans because it's also have bad effect on all of us. And they try to throw stones at the policemen. So this is what kind of, of people who went to the demonstrations. We try the whole time to just educate our participants to now don't go to bad demonstrations because really have bad effect on you. Because in the end of the night, the police came up and took everyone who was throwing stone or tried to do something harmful for the village or for someone else, and they put them in the prison. So this is just have bad effect on everyone. You know, the educated one, the people that believe that they should go into demonstrations, peaceful one who was coming at the beginning, like if I say in Turan, it was um, the head of the municipality, he comes at the beginning, he opens the demonstration, and then he say, we want our rights, and they say, like, the common equality signs and says, and after that, he just went home, because this is what the peaceful demonstration. And after that, the youngs just go and burn the trash cans. They go and start to throw stones at the police. And then the police came back and he threw this um, crying uh, gas. I don't know what's his name. Tear gas. Tear gas, exactly. Yeah. And then we have Balagan. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. I would just add that there's a lot of criminal groups join this thing. I mean, when everything burst out and things became really crazy and there was sort of like this anarchy on the streets. I don't know if it's really, uh, it's, it's hard to uh, feel it, but I can tell you as someone living in Israel during this time, after four elections, one after the other, and while they're trying to build their new government, like there's not even a real government that's holding this thing together and everything is just like falling apart. It feels like serious, like true anarchy in the streets. And at this time, these criminal groups and not just ideological groups were just finishing what they started, like using their weapons and uh, making like a feeling of terror in their area. And it sort of sometimes connects to ideology or to uh, the demonstrations that Akhlam was talking about before. But a lot of it is just violent actions, not even really connected to anything, just like bursting out of this huge anarchy that became here. Yeah, and if we'll try to put it in context, there was a big story in the last election. And actually, the new government that was formed is actually a revolutionist government in a way, because for the first time, one of the coalition members is actually an Arab party. And if we'll go back to May then we need to remember that the person that actually made this party kosher and not the joint list, it's uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the former prime minister, who lived from this ongoing tension between different parts of society in Israel. So it was sad but interesting to see how eventually it evolved in a way that the more, I would say, 
moderate part of Arab society was left outside of the coalition, while on the other hand, a party that is more or less like, I would say, Shas and Aguda of the Jewish uh, parties became a part of the coalition. Politicians had the interest of building the tension and growing the tension between uh, Arabs and Jews in Israel. And it worked to some extent at that part. So how did you guys come into the picture? I mean, if everything looks so bad and, uh, you know, people can't live together, what do you guys do? So basically, my name is Lev, I said before, uh, Lev uh, Littman. And I, as a CEO of the Tzedek Centers, we started uh, way back after the 2011 protests. You had in the United States the Occupy movement, and all around the world there were protests in 2011, and Israel had huge protests in 2011. You could really see people from everywhere coming, and you had buses going from every village and town and small neighborhood coming to this protest. This really gave people hope for big change in Israel because people felt there was a lot of corruption and degraded social infrastructures and out-of-reach housing and education prices. And also the connections between Arab and Jews and the peace process that weren't going anywhere. And people were sort of, we want change. We want a new Israel. After these protests, which were really amazing and uh, did create some change in Israel, I think a lot of people felt nothing happens and nothing can change. And at that point, we created the Tzedek Centers. The idea of them was to create a structure for social change, a structure for community organizers to join together and work locally for the change they asked in this great demonstrations. Basically, what we do in the Tzedek Centers is it's a network of community organizers. We train and coordinate and facilitate action groups that work in the local government to create change in education, infrastructure, public transportation, planning issues, violence, and so forth. So you work with the municipalities? We work with the municipalities, but we're not part of the municipalities. Right. We can demand things for the people in the, the people. city. Yeah. And also uh, we create leadership. And people from these centers, they join the neighborhood and school committees and also run for city council. Just now on uh, last Thursday, we had our first uh, national training for our activists running for city council in uh, the next local election. So basically, when we got to uh, 2021 uh, riots, we already had eight of these centers in uh, various cities in Israel, Chovot, Rishon Lezion, Harish, Haifa, Modi'in, Roshain. And we were working on with Ajial who we already worked on together on something else, which is our uh, School of Peace. It's a school for refugees in uh, Lesbos, in the Greek island of Lesbos. That was our last project together. And we started working on opening new centers together in the shared cities of Israel. But uh, that sort of uh, went down with coronavirus and you know, a lot, of, a lot of big projects stopped at that time. And when we got to the May uh, 2021 riots, I was at the time in the, in the reserve. Reserve, yeah, reserve duties in the uh, home front command. And for me, this was a crazy feeling because while we were trying to help people avoid rockets in cities from like Lod and Ramle, 
there were crazy riots in these cities and people were scared to leave their home and go down to the bomb shelter because more and more rioters from all around the country were coming and making this fire even bigger. This was a crazy, really crazy feeling to be in, this, uh, in these events. I can even tell you when I, uh, near my house in Tel Aviv, one night we heard people organizing to go and uh, beat up Arabs in Yafo. And there was nothing we could do about it. That was a really tough night for me after that. And in the morning, a chlam called me and uh, she said, uh, we have to open these aesthetic centers you're doing. I mean, let's open them right now. We need them now. Let's do it together. Basically, that's how we started. Achlam, you came up with the idea. So where and how? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I still remember that day that I called Lev. I was thinking the whole night. It was really bad night for our participants in load. They were calling us the whole night and then we said, okay, I think we as a, a community organization, we need to do something. So if I want to say a little bit about the Arab society in Israel, I don't know if you know, but we're facing a lot of organized crime with too many violence. People start to fear, like if I want to say in Turan for specific, I don't know if you know Turan, but it's one of the quiet villages in the north, they just go to work, go home, they got sleep. They don't do anything. But in the last two years, we start to have like killed people in Turan. Why? Because one of the people that the families and the organized crime, they right. start that they need to take the power in their hands and they allow for themselves to go and kill other one and just to have gunfight for other people and to throw stones in other people's house. So the violence starts to go out of our hands. Like, although we have good education, although everyone goes to school and everyone goes to college, but there's something missing in the whole chains. Like, there's something missing. And especially when, when it came up to the, like, I think, you know, that organized crime, also they have a lot in Lod and Ramle and Yafa, and it starts to get in, like, like a bit in Haifa. We're facing this kind of problems between the Arab community and the, And then the idea of Tzedek centers came up one another time in a really strong way that, okay, we need a solution. We can see that police, because people are not just contributing with police. They're not just like uh, helping. There the is pol- no trust in the police. Exactly. So they just go and took the rights by their, their own hands. And we start to think that if we want to make change, it's supposed to be from us. And because we have some successful Tzedek centers that they are in the Jew community, we think, just to start something a, in, in shared cities, we actually think um, we're having success in Ramle. We started in Ramle. It's one of the difficult cities, we must say. It was not easy for us, but we are uh, having successful um, beginning for our Tzedek center. And the... Uh, We think actually that the solution will came up by the hands of the people. We can't just still waiting for someone from other planet or I don't know, from other place that he can help us to solve our problems. Even it was some small problem that we find, I don't know, to create some walking way for the dogs and it can finish in, in other big problems as violence, as gunfights, as in, in the whole big problems that everyone facing and institute Mosdot. They can just help us to solve it. 
And uh, here we are <laughs> in our long way to that said. I would like to add. I would like to add something uh, in addition to it. So our goal is basically to create an inclusive democracy, a democracy that everyone can be part of. And in Israel, and I think in the United States as well, we face something that's called, uh, we call it learned political helplessness. Basically, what it means is it comes from the psychological term, learned helplessness. And uh, it comes from an experiment where uh, the scientist took a dog And he would say, uh, okay, well, I'm going to shock. I'm going to give you, like, every time he gives you, uh, yeah. them food, he would shock them. Right. And the dog would understand when he's getting shocked and he would be ready for it. And then he started just randomly shocking him without no connection to the food. And what happened at some point is the dog just came back and wouldn't go up for the food. And I think Israeli society is very much in that sort of learned helplessness. towards the political sphere, towards the public sphere, because it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter how much uh, you try and change, again, you're going to have another election or there's going to be another war. And Arab society in Israel is even more like that. Like there's nothing you can do and still you might have your car burned at the end of the day. And... We need somehow to get out of this thing. And the way to get out of learned helplessness and learned political helplessness is with small steps. So what we're doing is we work locally and we build action groups that are going to deal with local problems, like what Aslam said, like it can be playgrounds in a city that are missing or education issues like missing classrooms or dirty streets, stuff like that. And as long as people get to know these things better and know how to work with them and know how to work with the institutions and know how to demand their rights, they can go and deal with bigger stuff. One of the problems with 922 uh, money that came from the government was that it came from the government to the municipalities, but a lot of the municipalities, it sort of disappeared over there. And the problem is that the people didn't know what to demand. They didn't know how to say, we need this, we want this, give us that, we want the budget for here. And yeah. what we're doing in the TEDx Center is we're giving people tools to understand how their local government works, how the money moves from one place to another, where does it happen? How do we help things that come from the government to get down to the actual person, to the actual playground, to the actual classroom? In the end, that's an inclusive democracy where everybody can join and everybody can be part of the country. And I think that when everybody feels part of the country and part of what's happening and they feel empowered, it's less likely they're going to go and riot or less likely they're going to want to take their aggressions and violent feelings towards someone else or the police. I do want to ask you a question. I mean, because we are talking about the Arab population, but do you also have collaborations in a city, for example, like Lod, you have a big, for example, Ethiopian uh, community. which is also really poor and is almost having almost the same struggles. I can't say that it's 100% the same because the Arab communities do have bigger challenges. But for example, the Ethiopian community in Lod is also really poor and gets almost the same conditions. So for example, do you collaborate both communities together or, or it doesn't work like that? Yes, of course. We work with all the communities in every city we have. Uh, aesthetic center in 
I think the Ethiopian community, just like you said, in terms of learned political helplessness, they're in a very, very big learned political helplessness because they went on protests and these protests were very, uh, at the beginning, they started very uh, pleasant and very kind protests. And again and again, the same things keep happening. Their children get shot and they get discriminated mm. in housing. And I think in general, the connections between different groups in Israel, and you can see this with Ethiopians, but also with other groups in Israel, all the different groups in Israel, in the national level, they have a very hard time meeting each other. And there's a lot of friction in the national level because that's where, like you said before, politicians a lot of times want to create this friction, want to create the differences. But uh, when it comes to the local level, it can really go both ways. Because local politicians can use it the same way as the national level politicians do. But you can also find people just working together on uh, the bus station next to their house and there are enough trees nearby it and uh, old people can stand there and get a uh, shade while they're, while they're there. Or uh, again, issues with uh, planning. Israel is really growing, as you might know. One of the fastest growing countries in the world. In, uh, yeah. Countries in the world, yeah. And there's a lot of building happening and our, our cities are changing all the time. So people from different communities all the time have to work together on what sort of buildings are we going to have? How are our streets going to look like? What sort of compensation are we going to get after they ruin our buildings and build new projects? And over these stuff, we always work together. And that's eventually the key also to break the walls between the Arab and the Jewish society, because once they start working together and getting to really know each other, then they know that eventually they have a lot more in common than they think. Sometimes people tend to miss that point. Exactly. I'm with you. Since we start to focus on our common things, that really, like, okay, if we just with the identity and the whole Arab Jews problem. Besides, there's a lot of problems that we face together in this city, especially everyone has problem with buying house, everybody has problem with employment. There's a lot of problems that we face it together. Even that we feel as Arab community that we don't have equality and we don't have full rights as the Jews, but like Lev and I, I think we also have the same problem that I can go and buy a house with my salary that I'm working in for the whole month. And also him, even, even in Turan, it's supposed to be village and supposed to be much much less, not like Tel Aviv, but still we have the same enormous problem that we need to just to focus and to solve, to have much peaceful and much thrilling community. Else if we stuck in the whole problems that thoughts that really can just separate us it won't help anyone of us if we just took it as a our social working and if we took it as businessmen and and working in general like everyone needs the others to just to keep working like in, in the period of the rights people I don't know from villages that everyone's Arabs they don't have milk because Nova drivers won't won't enter to these villages yeah a problem. And uh, many people who were going to from Tiberis, like next to Turan, were just coming to Turan. They buy a little bit of stuff and just helping people financially. And after the rights, they stop coming. So right. this rights can really have bad effect on, on the both sides, not just one side. 
this thing really hurt her makes a bad effect on everyone. And there's a lot of Kenyans, just big malls. No one started to enter because Arab people won't go to the mall. So like, for example, in North Galil, no one, no one's entering because there was no Arab people who's coming to the mall. So I think to do something, something common between us, to focus on our common dots really can help us to actually have a healthy community and healthy life for us. And I think uh, the local leadership, we can grow when they come to the national level leadership. I think they'll be able to work out the bigger issues, the border issues, the conflict between Israel and Palestine, and the big, big discrimination issues that uh, Arabs, uh, Israeli, Palestinians suffer here in Israel. But we need to grow this leadership because uh, I think it's very much missing today in Israel. Yeah. Exactly. You are uh, putting the seeds for coexistence, guys. That's uh, how, I de- <laughs> how, how I will describe you. You have the heart and you have the dream, so it's a good combination. <laughs> uh, love in English is heart, <laughs> and Ahlam, which is Chalom in Hebrew, uh, it's a dream in English. So uh, I think that there is a, a big chance of success here. So we need, we need to wrap up uh, because our time is almost up and uh, it's late at night in Israel. I don't want to hold you for much longer. So if you have anything, you know, to tell our audience, you are now running a fundraiser campaign. So if you want to elaborate on that a little bit, and I will say that I'm going to put all the relevant links in the, the episode description. So now you have the stage to tell us a little more about the fundraiser. So uh, basically, we've been doing a lot of work on the ground for the last years. And for us, it's a very sort of uh, going out now and uh, letting the world know about what we're doing. We really encourage you to go on our website and look a little more and see how special this is in Israeli society. And uh, we really need uh, any help we can get to make this project bigger. We want to get to every city in Israel, every shared city in Israel. Every Arab city in Israel. Ahla, many last sentence to our audience. Uh, thank you for everything, for also this opportunity. And uh, I'm also ensuring what uh, Lev said, that we are coming for fundraising campaign. We are so having big dreams. We are having big hopes for, for our this campaign, especially for me. Like, I'm so excited. Yeah, I was just going to the whole world. So we are waiting for, uh, for support and for partnership from all of your audience. I hope so. <laughs> and yeah. I hope maybe in the next five years, we'll just call you, Kobia. We want to invite you to the opening of our 15th SEDEC centers. We're hoping. <laughs> Alvai, as we say in Hebrew. Inshallah, yeah. as we say <laughs> Inshallah. in Hebrew. <laughs> Inshallah. And um, it was a pleasure to meet you and to know you. Thank you, guys. As uh, once was said, a road of a thousand miles starts with a single step. I really want to thank you for uh, sharing your story today and wish you all the best with the fundraiser. And uh, thank you very much uh, for joining another episode of Balagan. Second season is going to be awesome. So stay tuned. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and wanted to thank you for joining me. 
If you like my podcast, feel free to rank it and share it with others. I also invite you to subscribe to my podcast so you will get updates when a new episode is on the air. And last but not least, I invite you to check my website, Balagan, www.balagan.ltd, for more content about Israel's history and politics. Bye for now, and have a great day.